sana, sana, colita de rana. This is Sana Sana Podcast, a feminist podcast that promotes healing and normalizes mental health with Adriana and Adriana. Hello and welcome to episode eight. Yay! Of Sana Sana Podcast. <laughs> yeah, we made it. <laughs> How are you doing, Tokaya? I'm having a great night because we've been hanging out, trying to troubleshoot some of the issues we've been having with this episode, but we're finally recording it after many months and uh, an interval or what, what do you call that when it's like in the middle, an inter, intermittent interval? We had, we had a episode that was in the middle. Right. 7.5, 7 and a half. Intermittent. Inter interception. <laughs> I don't know. You're talking to an ESL baby over here. Oh, uh, cute. But either either way, um, it's taken a long time to get to episode eight, and we always say here at Sana Sana that it's about the journey, not the destination. As cheesy as that is, yeah. and that, that also um, is applicable to our podcast. So just For happy. Sure. I'm just happy to be recording. I love being able to share time with you and get in the space that um, is much needed after a chaotic couple of months, lots going on, and it's yes. summertime, so yeah. How you doing? I'm doing, um, I'm doing great, um, and I don't, it's funny that I'm even saying that because I have had uh, a hectic couple of months, like we've said, um, started a new job, a lot of transition happening, and but exactly what you were saying, like, we were just, you know, having dinner, sharing conversation, and trying to get this going, and that just always puts me in such a good mood, and just thinking about healing, and the mission of the podcast is just has really turned my frown upside down, so I'm in a really good place right now. And it's also amazing what good weather does for the mind body and soul right like i know i had been last time we checked in on episode seven and a half i um was dealing with a little bit of a i called i called it a low grade depression because um i definitely felt a heaviness um but i'm not someone who um has depression so um, I have a lot of people in my life that are close to me um, that have it, so I know what it can feel like f- based on their descriptions. Um, but, like, I've, from what I know, that's the other part of it, right? Um, I've never been diagnosed with depression. So I had it, f- I had a very, like, l- like kind of low, sad heaviness, a lot of fatigue for weeks. Uh, I still feel that a little bit, but I'm coming out of it. I can definitely tell. Um, And some of that is making sure that I'm getting outside, getting some vitamin D, Mm -hmm. getting fresh air, moving my body. Um, I've been trying to eat better food and hydrate. So just at the very bare minimum, like making sure that I eliminate any possibilities, right? So I went and got a checkup with... um, my primary physician just to screen and I, it was actually really cool because um i've had this doctor for about four or five years and okay, i haven't so seen him i haven't seen him since i would say about four or five years because i've noticed like the last time 
that I had filled out paperwork in this office was like four years ago. And it was before recovery. And I noticed like I had lied about some things before on my like interest on my intake. And what's also really cool is this particular doctor, I had never read his bio the way I kind of read it again. And I was like, oh, he's he's a primary physician, but he's specialized in addiction at one point in his career. Really? Yeah. He um, is a white man, but loves um, working with the Spanish-speaking population. He cares deeply about women's health. So, like, everything that I care about, he's that kind of doctor. Okay, okay. And I had never really noticed that before until now. So I was like, oh, I always say, like... Or I shouldn't say, I always say, my sponsor always says that God works through people, and I really believe that. Like, I have the people in my life right now that I'm supposed to have, and maybe they've been there and I just wasn't ready yet to, mm-hmm. to learn or hear what I needed to hear. But I say all of that because it was the first time that I noticed I was really honest with my doctor in a way kind of like this is what I'm kind of going to go in with. Right. So like I let him know, like, yeah, I've been really tired. Um, I'm going through recovery and I've been dealing with a lot of emotional stuff in the last like few weeks. I'm I'm really stressed out because of. Um, some things I'm going through with my family and then also um, some close friendships of mine Um, several of my friends are going through crisis and so it felt really good to be able to disclose that to him and to tell him like I don't think I have depression but I wanted to just make sure that there wasn't anything physical because I've talked to my therapist about feeling like it was depression and she wanted me to make sure that I go to my primary physician and get checked out just to make sure that like, it's not something physical. Right, to run the test and yeah. do all that ABC checking type of stuff. Right, and he really appreciated that I was like really forthcoming with him forthright with him about everything like everything from you know telling him that I'm in recovery and he asked me what I was in recovery for um, I was able to share with him in a way that like really helped him see the bigger picture and I think that's really important because I don't think I've I've ever understood how important it is for a doctor to have all that information you know context totally I know I've lied to my doctor before about like how much I drank or if I smoked or if I smoked marijuana or anything like that because I didn't want to be judged or I didn't want to get in trouble or I didn't want to get lectured not understanding how that like really prevents a doctor from really doing their job mm-hmm. I always lie about the exercise <laughs> I say I exercise more than I do <laughs> right <laughs> I don't think you're the only one so I just I just thought it was like a really eye-opener and that, that was something that I went through this week so I'm waiting for my test to get back. Um, I don't think I'm going to learn anything new other than maybe I'm low in iron or maybe I do need more vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Um, but That's otherwise, so like... That you say that. Those are the two things that came back from my exams. Low in iron because I'm anemic forever, but vitamin D. Yeah. And that was so crazy to me because I'm always out in the sun, but maybe I just need it more. Yeah, no, and I, I think people who do... Um, who do deal with 
emotional or or actually do have depression like there is a depletion in that vitamin so it's important to like know why you might be feeling depression because some of it is because of a chemical imbalance Mm -hmm. but some of it is also like other physiological imbalances that you just want to make sure you're even this sounds silly but if you don't drink enough water you can feel sad like that's I a, would feel sad if I wasn't drinking water. I'm a big water Look drinker. at your plants. If you don't give them enough yeah. water, they look sad. So it's like kind of the same thing for humans. It's the most basic self-care, but I know I'll only speak for myself here. I know that I am still learning how to take proper care of myself with like the most basic, bare minimum, like seven, eight hours. That's not optional. That's like what it takes for you to have good health. That's like what I'm telling myself right now. Not not speaking to you, the audience, but to, to you, my to myself, really. I'm speaking to myself in the second person. Um, taking my vitamins or supplements that I might need because my body doesn't produce enough of it. Or making sure I'm eating a variety of colors in my diet so that I'm getting those vitamins and nutrients. Like, it sounds like, yeah, we hear this all the time. Or, you know, we start to zone out. But it really is important that at the bare minimum, we're doing those like small things for ourselves that really keep us happy and healthy mentally and not just physically, right? Um, Right now, I'm trying to reset habits with my exercise because I know for me, yes, and it's so fun to be able to look at myself naked and be like, you look good, girl, but really... I think I'm at a place in my life where I know I need to exercise regularly for my mental and emotional health. Like, I just feel so much better when I have a regular exercise routine. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, we were talking about this before. It it was, at least for me, it's really kind of changing the conversation or looking at this in a different way and really investing in yourself and really, like you're saying, taking care of yourself. And I feel like I've, it's, it's a lot of work. For me to take care of myself and to be uh, responsible for myself and I think that it it comes a lot from like low self-esteem or not thinking that maybe you're worth the time or um, the money spent in your doctor or whatever but more and more and the more that we talk and the more that I explore this and the more that I do take care of myself I can see that it's so necessary and no one else is going to take care of myself but myself so just really um not being cheap when it comes, or not even not even being cheap, and not worrying about the cost of what that takes. I mean, obviously, I'm gonna live within my means, but not feeling guilty for um, buying supplements or like going to the doctor. Um, so I completely relate to what you're you're saying. And like I said, I also went to the doctor and got my checkup done. Now that I'm a um, PPO girl, all the way, <laughs> yes. loving um, different uh, healthcare that I have. I had such an amazing um, experience with my new primary physician. Physician, a completely different experience that I've ever had before. Um, shout out Northwestern Medical Center, whatever it is. Like it was really, really great. Um, like like you were mentioning, like I felt really connected. Great, like bed. T- not bedtime manners, bedside manners uh, for the doctor, like just great. Um, and so I need to take iron and vitamin D is what mm-hmm. actually came came about. Um, but it was great. I loved it. So I feel like I'm on a I'm in a good place, and I'm also. 
trying to take care of my physical health. And um, now that I have a gym at my work, I'm going during my lunchtime. And it's something new that I'm exploring and I'm really liking it. I was a little apprehensive uh, at the beginning because I have just so much anxiety around exercise and like working out with other people around you. But I've just um, really tried to approach this in a different way. And I think that my coworker really helped me do that because she was like, even the first couple of weeks, she's like, oh, come to the gym with me. And it's really promoted within the office. It's part of kind of the culture. So that definitely like makes me feel like it's supported. So kind of working on that. And then yet again, I am embarking in the process of getting a new therapist to take care of my mental and emotional um, health and well-being. And um, I already did all the initial stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So like the first little call, emailed all the insurance stuff. And I have my appointment in two weeks. Unfortunately, I do have to wait, but I'm I'm good. So uh, I'm excited to see what this will be in comparison to the other experiences I've had with therapist. For a fact, I know that she is a Latina therapist. Um, She does practice um, in a multicultural and like feminist way. And just everything that we were talking about, like I felt like we were on the same page. So hopefully it'll be like that when I meet her and we'll be able to, you know, just be in good partnership. Um, So stay tuned. And how did you learn that she practices in that way? Well, so I did research, um, so like her website, and then I did like psychology.org. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of information there. I think it's like, is it psychology today? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Psychology today. We'll put this in the notes, um, in the show notes. And so I did that, did research. She has a really good website and the website has like so much text and it just really made me feel like I knew her mm-hmm. and or knew like where she was coming from. I hope she's not going to catfish me. Um, <laughs> and then I called her and I was like asking her questions and she was asking me questions. So it was a little bit like of an interview, but in a really casual conversation type of way. So we'll see what happens. That's great. I mean, it's it's in a way understanding, right? That like you had to go through your other experiences in order to really start to understand what it is that you need, particularly exactly. from a therapist, right? And sometimes mm-hmm. we don't know that until we have ones that aren't the best ones for us or or did what they needed to do to get us to where we're at and really I feel like this time you know it's always hard for me to recognize that I need extra help and support it it, it's always going to be I mean hopefully not but in my past experience it's always something that I struggle with um and this time around I was you know having just a lot of Adapting to the new work environment that I'm at is very difficult. Um, It's almost like I'm in a different field. So there's a lot of like imposter syndrome, a lot of just confusion, anxiety. Um, You know, I want to do my job well. And so I've just been feeling a lot of feelings, obviously, with like family and work. And I just, I didn't want to feel bad. I, I was just like, I can't do this. Like, I need I need support. I need help. Mm-hmm. I need someone to help me out with this. And this time around, it wasn't as hard to, like, pick up the phone and call and, like, do the research. 
Um, so I'm really happy about that. But I also want to say that it wasn't as hard because I have good insurance now. Yeah, and I wanted to talk about that because we were talking about having the privilege, right, of being able to go to mm-hmm. a doctor. Um, I, like you right now, have amazing health insurance, and that hasn't always been the case. Hell no, it has not been the case for me, <laughs> at least, ever. I mean, I've been very fortunate to have had um, access to insurance or to be on an insurance plan for the last several years, but um, I definitely remember all too well what it was like not to have insurance. I grew up without insurance, um, and then in, throughout my 20s was underinsured, Um, or not insured depending on what job I was working at Um, so I think it's it's important to recognize the privilege it is to be able to have an insurance plan but also um, be okay with having a little bit of anger that like this is really the bare minimum of what like every single person should have access to in order to live a life with dignity and respect and we when we think about the health of our communities right like take even the immigrant communities or the latinx communities within chicago like there is a reason why there is such disparities in health inequities like the latinx population in chicago remains uh, one of the most underinsured communities, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, I mean, documentation or lack of documentation, um, but a lot of it, honestly, is like having a real fear and mistrust of doctors. Um, there, there. The healthcare system overall is, is so difficult to navigate. Yes, it's like on purpose. Uh, absolutely like there are barriers it's by design right that it's incredibly hard if you speak the language to access or to get answers without like making you feel crazy so then you add a cultural difference or a language difference and it just makes it so much harder so you know i acknowledge that i have a privilege to be able to gain access to these services but then i also just am filled with so much anger that um it is considered a privilege yeah period like we should all have access to this like it should it should be the basic most basic bare minimum that i can go to a doctor to take care of myself and feel secure that like my health is that's like the most basic thing that as a human i should be able to show up every day knowing that like i'm taking care of myself um because i have services that help me do that and prevent uh, bigger problems down the line, right? I mean, healthcare has been such a contentious subject in this country, and it's just so sad that we're still in a situation where so many people in so many communities are underinsured or do not have insurance. And you're completely right. It's your human right to have health insurance, and everyone should have it. And it's just, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. I can speak from experience of having no insurance, having really bad insurance, and then having pretty good insurance now that it changes your quality of life. Mm-hmm. And everyone should have access to insurance that it that treats you with dignity and that you that is easily accessible 
so you can take care of yourself and your family and your community. I mean, I don't even know if insurance is the right word that we should be using or that we should be advocating for. Just access to health care without yeah. putting you in debt, right? Like, exactly. Um, you know, the, the reason that there's an insurance industry in the first place is, is a whole nother thing. But I guess I'll just end the conversation with just a reminder, too, from when we were talking with Carmen Mojica, that she reminded us um, how medicine has always been indigenous right and to really honor and acknowledge the wisdom that indigenous people have gifted us with for generations um you know they were the original doctors they were the original um medicine holders so um you know when i get really angry with healthcare, it makes me really excited to know that a lot of people are returning to that to wanting to return to understanding more about um, natural ways of, you know, being able to heal ourselves. So and heal in your community and mm -hmm. by your community. I think it's so important and it just makes it makes such a difference when it's someone that, you know, or it's someone that you trust or someone that even looks like you. Mm -hmm. And Here's to hoping that shit changes because it's pretty messed up right now. Yeah. You're listening to Sana Sana Podcast, Episode 8 with Adriana and Adriana. On today's Sana Sana Glossary, our key word is rituals so when i think about rituals i think of certain activities that we hold or that we engage in at a certain um time that it's special that it's celebratory and that connects us with ourselves with others and with community and I would also add, uh, for those who believe in it, right, it also connects you with spirit or with God or with mm -hmm. your higher power um, or your higher self. Uh, so ritual is very important. Um, I would say for me, an example of a ritual would be this podcast. Like we, yes. yeah, we come together, Adriana and I, um, you know a specific time of the week or the month to to gather to share to um, market with something special like we usually get something to eat and have some tokaya time even before we start recording um so that in and of itself is a ritual to me um i think some of the ones that we all know are you know rites of passage so like um in my culture, um, we have quinceañeras when a, when a young woman turns 15 years old and she's entering womanhood. Um, there are obviously like things like weddings and funerals and birthdays. Birthday parties are rituals, um, but also just small things like. Um, if you have a, a specific thing that you do when you worship or when you meditate or when you journal, when, when, when you're doing something to really connect with, with your spiritual or your emotional self, I think there are certain rituals that you can add a little bit of specialness to it to make it, to make it special and to mark the time, to mark that moment, to really bring mindfulness into it. Sun, sun.
It's time for our featured segment, Corazón a Corazón. Let's get to the heart of things with Brenda Salgado, today's special guest. Brenda Salgado is editor of the book, Real World Mindfulness, Simple Practices for Everyday Problems. She is also the founder of Nepantla Center for Healing and Renewal. Our conversation has been edited for clarity and brevity. Follow along and share your favorite quotes on social media using the hashtag SanaSanaPodcast. So I've been really spiritual all my life and received messages from spirit all my life. I think it was stronger when I was a child for a while because I didn't question it. You know, I was open to it. And I remember being raised in the Catholic Church and feeling like it was a jacket that didn't fit. I wasn't mad about it and I wasn't reactive to it, but I remember telling my mom things like, you know, I talk to God all the time and he's really not that angry, he's not that mean. I think they're misunderstanding him. They should talk to him more. <laughs> And just having this feeling that there should be women in leadership too, and I didn't understand why there weren't women in leadership in the church, because God wanted men and women to serve. And so, you know, all of that was going on when I was a kid, but I didn't really have access to curanderas or traditional medicine back then, because so much of that had been kind of erased in, in so many ways. But that feeling, you know, I went to Catholic grammar school, I went to Catholic high school. And so in high school, I really did start questioning more with the nuns about these things, you know, around just both the beauty of parts of religion, but also the damage that has been done in the name of religion with people who abuse that. So yeah, it was really great for me when I hit college and I got exposed to Native American spirituality and also to Buddhism, because those both felt like things that fit my conception of God, spirit, energy, It just, it felt like a jacket fit for the first time. It's like, oh wow, this feels great. And so I feel really grateful that I had exposure to those things that I went on meditation retreats and started practicing meditation, that I started getting involved with ceremony in different ways here and there. And then for me, I think the biggest leap that happened in more recent years was um, many years ago on a birthday, I had started doing ancestor honoring and healing ceremony. And it's a particular ceremony that's in the Thich Nhat Hanh Buddhist lineage. But that ceremony, you're really thanking your ancestors for all that they've done for you. You're acknowledging that they were human and they had pain and suffering too. And then you're asking them for more guidance and protection. So I really do feel like doing that ceremony, and I had made a whole board with their pictures and everything, and was doing this every day for seven days around my birthday. I was opening up a door that I didn't really understand when I started doing that ceremony because my grandmother started coming to me in my dreams. And I think she was just waiting for me to ask. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so she died when I was a little girl. And she, was, she lived in Nicaragua. I was born and raised in San Francisco area. And I saw her when I was a baby. We went to Nicaragua twice when I was little as a baby and I think when I was around seven years old. But then we didn't go back because my mom had sent for all her family uh, when things got really difficult there. They all moved to California. So they didn't have much need to go back. My grandmother died when I was a young girl. And this experience of reaching out to her in this way with the ceremony and her starting to come in my dreams was 
really profound because she said, you know, you come from a long line of medicine women. They haven't told you about this history. It's time for you to ask your mother about healings I did in the family when they were children. And so these are stories that were never shared. And when I started asking, they were really miraculous healings, and I had no idea. And I said, wow, I can't believe we've kind of blocked this history out, and it's only two generations back. Mm. And then, you know, she also told me that she had left some things unhealed with my mom that she wanted forgiveness for. So she asked me to reach out to my mom to talk about that. And my mom said, there's nothing to forgive. I'm not mad at her. And, and I know she did the best she could, and she didn't really have other choices at that time. Um, so... That was a big part for me, just, I think, being in a place where I was humble enough to start asking for help and guidance from spirit and being open to it and being still enough. I think the big piece for me is that these messages tend to come through when I'm meditating or when I'm sleeping. When I'm running around and busy and all up in my head and the million to-do list items and I got to do this and I got to do that and, you know, in just productivity mode, not to say that those things are wrong. I'm saying that those are not conducive to spirit coming in. And so I think just making more time for self-care, making more time for meditation, qigong, uh, bubble baths, whatever, you know, the things that allow me to be still that uh, to be present in my body and not trying to do a million things. Those are the things that really opened up that door to spirit and to ancestors too. You're listening to Sana Sana Podcast, a feminist podcast that promotes healing and normalizes mental health with Adriana and Adriana. In this episode's Corazón a Corazón segment, we're talking with Brenda Salgado. Let's get back to the interview. There's a lot of myths around mindfulness that I write about in the book, um, Real World Mindfulness for Beginners. One is that mindfulness is like emptying your mind of all thoughts, that you're thinking any thoughts and you're failing, you're doing it wrong. And that's not true. The point is just to be aware of thoughts and be present with our thoughts and present with everything that's going on in our body, around us, you know. So mindfulness for me is about being present in the present moment, being aware around, within and around you about what's going on, and bringing as much of a non-judgmental awareness to that present moment. Um, so I think that we can do that in many ways. One way is meditation, sitting on a pillow, breathing that's definitely breathing is common to all traditions that have any contemplative practice breathing is very core to all of them and is related to you know a spiritus spirit breath right inspiration respiration that all has that speed in it uh, that root word so breath i think is really common to all those things but we can be mindful when we're doing lots of things i can be mindful when i'm washing the dishes being really present with the suds and washing up can be really mindful when i'm eating of all that went into making that meal for me the people who grew the food picked the food packaged the food shipped the food sold the food prepared the food you know and if we're growing our food and preparing our food that chain is much smaller and has less impact on the earth. So there's a, we can be mindful when we're walking. Um, a lot of times I see people who are walking and they don't they'll run into people because they're not watching and they're on their phone, looking at their phones and or they're you know playing a game. And you know, again, none of those things are wrong, but certainly they're not present in that moment of their walking and who's around them and what's happening. 
Um, so you, we can be mindful in so many different situations um, and really just bring our presence, our awareness, our best self, and our awareness to how we're engaging with things. Um, another is, though, with one of the things they say with the myths of the not having any thoughts is that when one of the meditation teachers I really love, Pema Children, she talked about we all have thoughts. They're not bad. But do we let them run away with our identity and our story at the moment? So she talks about thoughts being like clouds, passing clouds. So perhaps you're meditating, you're trying to just focus on your breath, and a thought comes up of like, oh, I'm really mad at this person, or I forgot to take out the trash, or, oh, shoot, I forgot to do this thing before I left the house, you know. That we can see that cloud, acknowledge it, and let it keep passing by and go back to our breath. And so we don't have to beat ourselves up about the cloud. We can notice it and let it go. Um, so that's one thing that I try to share a lot because I feel like this culture teaches us a lot of productivity, perfectionism, beating yourself up, <laughs> failure, kind of that stuff. And we, of course, we bring that to meditation and mindfulness too. <laughs> um, and the other thing I tell people is uh, people think that Oh, if I don't have the money to go on a long retreat or do a Buddhist course, then I can't do mindfulness. And that's not true. We can do short mindfulness exercises to start, and that might be enough for us. And it might also be the doorway to doing more. So a lot of the practices in the book are very simple one- to three-minute practices that people can do on breathing, on doing body scans. Body scans are really great things to do, particularly when you are triggered or... Um, feeling anxious about something, to just stop and get into a safe place and really start breathing deeply and just pay attention to every part of your body and breathe into every part of your body and be aware of how it's feeling, um, where there might be tension, breathe in some ease into that tension. Um, a lot of times that kind of getting back into our body it doesn't take the anxiety or the tension away necessarily, but it can allow us to be more calm and spacious in how we respond to what's happening and allow us more choice. When we're Sometimes when we let our emotions run wild with a story, um, it takes us out of a place of choice and power in how we respond. So coming back to our breath, coming back to our body can always help us ground and really see the bigger picture in that moment. Um, so yeah, I think just returning to the breath, returning to your body in whatever ways. Some people really love mindful walking. I love being outside in nature when I'm doing mindfulness stuff, so I like to meditate with trees. Mm. One of my morning meditations is that I will pick a tree that I love and have a relationship with, and I'll ask it in my in-breath to give me whatever blessings or support it can give me so that I can be higher consciousness, love, patience, compassion for myself and for others, to be in unity consciousness, you know, seeing my interconnection with the world, with the tree, with other people. So I'm breathing all that in from the tree because the trees know how to live like that. You know, they have their roots deep in the ground. They're reaching up towards the heavens. They're growing all the time and becoming their next self all the time, right? They're growing... And they're also going through the seasons. They have their blossoms, their fruit, and they drop all their leaves in the winter. They don't have this attachment to staying the same that we do. 
they don't have this attachment to not dealing with death or seasons, you know, they can lose all their leaves and then come back. You know, that's just part of the cycle of life, these stages. And they also provide for others. They're very generous, you know. They provide food for us, wood for us, nests for birds and squirrels and live in them. And so there's a lot we can learn from trees about how to be really grounded and in our power and in, in our dignity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, trees have this, I love redwoods for that. You know, they have this tall and really have a lot of dignity. So that breathing in with the trees, I'm trying to breathe in all the lessons they can give me and asking them for that kind of wholeness, that sense of dignity, that sense of grounding. And then I try to release to the tree in my out-breath what is keeping me from being my best self, my highest self right now? What do I need to release to be the person I want to be right now and to become my future self, you know? And so a lot of times I'll release impatience or judgment towards myself or judgment towards others or I'll release um, fear that's keeping me from moving forward on something I know I have to do. Uh, so I get in that practice every morning of breathing in, what's going to help me be my best self, and breathing out, what's not serving me, what habits, stories, beliefs are not serving me anymore. And not having a lot of story about it, about me with <coughs> that I'm being bad or I shouldn't be doing this. I just say, well, I did that, I'm, and I'm ready to release it now. I'm going to give it to the tree to compost in the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of my favorite practices in the morning. Absolutely. I think the last question um, that we have is just tips for people who, what are some tips that, you know, so many of the people who are listening are mm-hmm. are beginners, right, yeah. in so many ways um, around their healing. And you had talked about teachers and mentors and the power and, of that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. why it's so important that yeah. we have mentors when we begin these journeys around mindfulness, around spirit work. Yeah. Um, what tips do you, have you learned for yourself around finding the right teachers? Oh, that's such a good question. <clears throat> I would say that uh, it's really important that you trust your intuition because there are, well, there's two factors really to think about. One is that there's teachers out there who are less skillful and perhaps they're not as healed as they should be and maybe doing a lot of things from ego and want followers and <clears throat> maybe intentionally, not intentionally, they may be causing harm to students. I don't think that's most teachers, but I do think it exists. And then the other piece is just, we all have energies and we click with some people and some we don't. And some people could be a very skilled teacher, but they're just not the right energy or fit for us. So I would say, you know, definitely look around, ask friends who are already on the path, if you know any, look around to what spirit leads you to. Spirit often leads me to my teachers in ways that are really synchronous and not planned. Uh, Sometimes through people I know, or sometimes spirit will say, you need to go look at this website right now, and something will be there, and I'll say, oh, who's that, you know? And uh, to really trust that intuition. Uh, You know, one of my stories around that is that I knew a woman who did a lot of shamanic training with people, and she asked me to become her student. She said, you look like you have a lot of spiritual gift. I want to be your teacher. You're supposed to be shaman. And and spirit and ancestors were like, absolutely not. You're not supposed to. (laughs) And I didn't know why, but I trusted that. And spirit said, 
your first teachers will not be from here, from the U.S. They will be from somewhere else. And, mm-hmm. and then somebody just out of the blue invited me to this festival of traditional medicine in Mexico. And uh, Spirit said, that's where you're supposed to go. I didn't know anybody there. My friend wasn't going. But Spirit told me how to go. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Okay. So I went, not really knowing what to expect, but was really run by a lot of old grandmothers and grandfathers teaching there and and I really appreciated them. The first teachers were from Michoacan and they would not teach you any medicine the first few days. They said first you have to learn how to be in the world, how to honor Mother Earth, how to respect the plants, how to ask the plants for permission to use them, to ask in a good way. Also just taught us that if, if you're going to work with a plant, that you first have to ask permission and then actually even then wait a few seconds to cut the plant. Because when you do that, you're, the plant is able to pull more of its life force to its core and push more of its medicine out to the part that you're taking. And so they said, your medicine will always be good whether or not you ask permission, but it'll be stronger if you have that kind of relationship with the plant. And the plant will have things to teach you and share with you about how it should be used. So always have that kind of relationship. So they really were adamant about teaching those kinds of things, about the humility and the respect, um, and seeing your plants as your teachers and your your uh, mentors. And I understood in that moment why Spirit wanted me not to learn with people in the North, because they're all about understanding the biology, the pharmacology, mm. you know, owning the plants, whatever it is, right? Um, and first I had to learn right relationship to the plants. Um, so I, what I would say is like I'm really grateful that there was some intuition I had about I didn't know why she wasn't the right teacher was she wasn't the right teacher for me but I knew she wasn't and I trusted that intuition until the right teacher showed up so don't yeah trust in that it might not be the first person that shows up and even if you start with someone, there have been teachers that I've had, spiritual teachers I've had, where I've been them for, with them for several years. And at some point, I feel like my lessons with them are complete. And a new teacher comes into my life. Mm-hmm. And I still honor and respect those prior teachers. I always give respect to where I learned medicine and share their names. Um, but I also know when Spirit is telling me, you're, you're studying with this person is done and thank them and be grateful um, and another teacher's coming to trust those times too i used to have a lot of grief when that would happen because i don't want to let anyone go and i'm not really letting them go but that's what it felt like <clears throat> so you know trust that too so perhaps you are supposed to study with someone for a long time and perhaps your study is supposed to study with several people um and all of those things are okay and trust what your your spirit tells you mm-hmm. Any last thoughts? Or so lastly, if you could just talk to us about your book mm-hmm. um, and about what it is and where people can find it and where people yes. can find you. Yes. Okay. So the book is called Real World Mindfulness for Beginners, Daily Practices. Uh, oh, you know what? I better should just read it off the thing because I'm sure I'm forgetting the last part. <laughs> <laughs> Such a long time. <laughs> yes. I'll see. I read that wrong. Take two. (laughs) The book is called Real World Mindfulness for Beginners Navigate Daily Life One Practice at a Time. I love that. 
And this, the book has a really cool story, too. When I was the director of East Bay Meditation Center, uh, the publisher uh, approached me about it and said they wanted to do an edited volume on mindfulness where I would write a couple chapters and also invite other people to write chapters. Um, and I thought that was a great idea. And I said, I really can. I have a full-time job. I don't have time to write a book. And then when they found out that I had left East Bay Meditation Center and wasn't working there anymore, they checked in with me. Um, Claire Song Lee called me and she said, we still haven't found an editor group for the book. And can you do it now? And I said, actually, I can. I don't have a job. <laughs> and um, I said, but I want to check in with you about something. I said, you know, I know a lot of the older, famous, white mindfulness teachers, and they're really wonderful and have great relationships with a lot of those people. However, they're already famous and they have lots of books. <laughs> I said, it would be really nice for me if I could invite some of the more diverse teachers, younger generation teachers I know that are doing really great work in prisons and schools and low-income communities because they need more visibility. And I don't mind including some of the more famous people as long as I get to include some of those people too because they're the next wave of teachers and faces of Buddhism. So if we can do that, that would be great. And she said, actually, that's why I wanted you to do the book. It'd be great if you did it. And so I was really happy that we had a shared vision around that. Um, and so then I just started asking all these great people I know, queer, two-spirit, transgender, you know, folks just doing some really incredible work. And thankfully, some of them said yes, and we made this book happen. The book is available online. If people go to bit.ly bit.ly slash real world mindfulness, they'll find it. It's also on my and Amazon. As if you look for real world mindfulness on Amazon, you'll find it. And then, um, if people want more information about me, they can go to Nepantla Consulting, N E P A N T L A Consulting.com. You'll find information about my offerings, my bio, my speaking. I do a lot of public speaking in different places, so I'm always open for those kinds of um, engagements, particularly in communities like this. It makes me really happy to be able to do these. That's awesome. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. This is episode 8 of Sana Sana Podcast. I'm Adriana. And I'm Adriana. Colita de Rana is medicine. In this week's Botica, we talk to Dr. Troy Hardin, a respected educator, master facilitator, and trainer with more than 25 years experience serving and consulting in social service, educational, and community settings. The only way you can really help others is to do your own work.
If I come from a community or village or tribe that is collective in nature, I understand that if you are out of sorts, we're all out of sorts, right? I gotta be willing to go places that, if I want people to change their lives, I gotta be willing to go every place that I ask somebody to go, every place. Our society is having a national conversation around the harassment issue, right? You know, in terms of gender, right? Gender equity. I have got to do my own work and completely unpack all my stuff around that. Now, I've done some of that, a lot of that, right? But I have to continue to keep asking hard questions of myself and then ultimately being in conversation with mentors and trusted others who, you know, we can, you know, do that, that practice. Then, up on the uh, dealing with whatever stuff I may have, then it's the process of then how do I heal, transform, continue to support, bless myself for the things I do within that. Because part of it is in, in doing the work, I can also be even abusive to myself to mm -hmm. the point where, you know, constantly dealing with, you know, my own stuff, you know, my own sexism, homophobia, all this stuff. And, you know, to the point where, you know, uh, I got to be compassionate with me. The, the flip of that, in terms of being compassionate, right? Um, I can't be truly compassionate to others if I'm not being compassionate to myself as well. Well, I tend to work with people who are like-minded in the sense that, um, you know, they're conscious, conscientious, open, honest, vulnerable. And so we're able to create those spaces in our work, right? Mm -hmm. And model that for others. Um, you know, I still make meetings, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, although, you know, I'm not, you know, every day and I don't have that need, right. I think it's still, um, I often, I, I go and I'm often in tears just because it's, I think the, I think the change process is so powerful mm. um, and, you know, seeing it in other people and um, it, it's just an amazing, amazing process. You know, I have a spiritual practice I engage in um, that uh, helps, you know, continue to affirm me. More and more people are into um, recovering through holistic means, being mm -hmm. physical, thinking about how, uh, what I eat, you know, how I eat, you know, how I live, right? Um, how I'm working out, fitness, so fitness, uh, so, you know, those things. Balance is key, you know, and, and I've been around it enough to see what kind of works for me around a lot of those things, right? And in some ways, you know, still, still working it out. We know the science is in around trauma recovery, right? It's connection, right? It's connection that prevents trauma. It's connection that heals it, right? Um, the brain changes when we're in relationship with each other. You see it in 12-step programs mm -hmm. and church groups who are positive, right? I think you see it all the time. So we just have to continuously reinforce it and support it.
This is episode 8 of Sana Sana Podcast. I'm Adriana. And I'm Adriana. Healing is a process. At Sana Sana, we believe we're doing the work to heal today for a healthier, better mañana. Here are some ways we are taking care of ourselves. So, what you got? Okay, yeah. You can go first. How are you taking care of yourself? Uh, I don't think I was ready. Okay. Um, I'll share. Okay, so. No, hold on, hold on. No, go ahead, please. <laughs> so one of the things that I'm doing to take care of myself is to attempt to connect to my body or connect more with my body. Um, and this is something that came out from a conversation with my therapist. And I was just telling her about you know this and that and she was suggesting that i might not be very connected with my body and maybe um and and maybe am in my head a lot and i was like ding 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 i think that's true so she gave me a couple of tips um to get a little bit more connected with my body and she said that anytime that i'm feeling like anxious or nervous or scared or even happy excited to really sense or try to figure out where in my body I feel those emotions. Is it my stomach? Is it in my hands? Is it in my chest? Is it in my head? And to really try to to figure it out. And it's been a little challenging because I'm so used to feeling, but feeling it in my head and not feeling it in my body. Um, and so I've been trying really hard to kind of really connect with my feet as I'm walking from the train to work in the mornings, right? Like really feeling the weight of my feet, listening to the things around me in a very mindful way. Um, and it's it's difficult. Like I can't really, I have to be very mindful and think about being connected with my body. So I've been trying it out and um, it's really interesting because you definitely kind of feel your body and I do feel a little bit more connected, but like I said, it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't come naturally to me because I am thinking about a million things at the same time. And so it's something that I'm just trying to do, being a little bit more connected with my body. And I feel like being at the beach with you and with other folks this past weekend definitely helped because it was such a relaxing, like meditative state, touching the water, having the sun on me. It was amazing. And I just I want to explore that a little bit more. So that's what I'm doing to kind of take care of myself, connect with my body um, and just kind of go through healing in a, in a little bit more holistic way. Mm, yeah, I love that. Um, you know, I think for me this week, I am going to be taking care of myself by um, learning new tips and techniques um, through workshops that Brenda Salgado is going to be giving here in Chicago. She's back in Chicago this week. Um, so if you're listening, make sure that you check out Sana Sana Podcast social media accounts to get the latest information. Um, check out our Facebook page. We'll make sure to share all of the events that Brenda will be um, giving you know workshops to the public. So if you're interested, definitely sign up because they fill up really fast. Um, I'm really lucky that we're Full Circle Collective is going to host um, this really beautiful workshop about grief that she's going to be facilitating. So I think just you know uh, participating in um, 
you know, new knowledge and uh, being in community is, is definitely one of the ways that I'm going to be taking care of myself this week. And I hope that our listeners are able to take something from this and share the ways that you all are taking care of yourselves um, through all of our social media and our hashtag Sana Sana podcast. Sana mañana. Sana mañana. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sana Sana Podcast, written and co-hosted by Adriana and Adriana. Our theme song is by Alina Celeste. Our cover art features a photograph by Tanto Jensen. Special thanks to this episode's guests, Brenda Salgado and Dr. Troy Harden. Join the conversation. Follow Sana Sana on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Sana Sana Podcast. Send us love letters to sanasanapodcast at gmail.com. Sana Sana is a Despierta production and is recorded at Full Circle Collective in the Bridgeport Art Center in Chicago, Illinois. To learn more about Full Circle, visit fullcirclecollective.net.